The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Welcome to What Catholics Believe. This is a special program addressing a very special topic, and that is the use of the Latin Mass in the Novus Ordo Church. The fact is that there is an effort to use the Latin Mass, as it is simply referred to, within the Novus Ordo, within the Novus Ordo dioceses, within the Novus Ordo churches, as a kind of bait for traditional or traditional-minded Catholics to find the uh, traditional Latin Mass, or what passes for the traditional Latin Mass, within their modern churches. This uh, actually comes at a great price. And so I wanted to address the, uh, the question today, whether it is possible to practice the traditional Catholic religion within the Novus Ordo Church. Now, a problem arises in the minds of some people today, especially our younger conservative people, regarding a Latin Mass offered to them within a New Order Church. They might be tempted to think that as long as it is in Latin, and is substantially the traditional Roman Rite of Mass, as they know it to be, then it must be true Catholic worship, and it's acceptable for all true Catholics to attend, including those who would be traditional Catholics. This conclusion is wrong, though. When confronted with the question of such a Latin Mass within the New Order Church, a traditional Catholic must remember some very important points. First of all, when it brought in its new liturgy for Mass and Sacraments in 1970, the Church of the New Order, after Vatican II, banned the traditional Latin Mass of the Roman Rite. The official stance taken by bishops and dioceses around the world, and most firmly in the United States, was that offering the traditional Latin Mass of the Roman Rite was absolutely forbidden and that all priests were required to accept the new Mass and the massive changes that came with it. Those who concocted the new liturgy understood that it was not compatible with the traditional Mass of the Church, and that it was exactly as Cardinal Ottaviani said, the new Mass was a striking departure from the Catholic faith in the Mass. And so, for the first 20 years of the existence of the new liturgy, the effort was made to completely eradicate the use of the traditional Latin Mass, the Roman Rite. And uh, priests everywhere in the Latin Rite were forbidden to use the traditional Latin Mass. They were required to accept the Novus Ordo. As I say, the fact that uh, there was a zero-tolerance policy for the traditional Mass at that time shows that the modernists who brought in the new Mass understood that there was really no possibility of coexistence in one church, one and the same religion, for these two different forms of liturgy. They were so mutually exclusive, so intrinsically opposed to each other. And so the effort was on to completely obliterate the use of one and replace it entirely with the use of the new. That is very telling, and it's a point we must not forget because it's extremely significant. The second point that any would-be traditional Catholic must remember, if he's considering the possibility of attending a Latin Mass, even if it is called itself a traditional Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo, is this that only after 20 years did the Church of the New Order allow exceptions to this prohibition. When, after Archbishop Lefebvre consecrated traditional bishops to ordain priests to offer the traditional Mass for those Catholics who refused Paul VI's New Order of Mass, 
and who held on to the traditional right. In 1988, the Modernist Church established the Ecclesia Dei Commission to regulate the use of the 1962 Latin Mass as the extraordinary form of Mass. This use was later expanded by Benedict XVI's Simorum Pontificum, but Benedict again made it clear that the Church of the New Order, over which he presided, permits the traditional Roman Rite, even the 1962 version, that is the Roman Rite with the John XXIII changes up to and including 1962, only as the extraordinary form of worship, as an exception to the rule of its new form of worship. Benedict reassured the French bishops, the bishops of the world, the bishops of the new order, that this did not represent a return by the Church of the New Order to the traditional religion, the traditional rite or understanding of the Mass, but the continued use of the traditional rite of Mass was simply tolerated. That was the word that was used. It was being tolerated as an exception. The use of the word tolerated by Benedict is very interesting. In the letter that he wrote to the bishops of the world accompanying his decree, Simorum Pontificum, he used the expression that the uh, traditional rite of mass, the, the traditional Roman rite of mass, was to be tolerated. Well, the word tolerated is defined as uh, basically uh, submitting to an evil. Tolerating means <clears throat> allowing an evil. Uh, if only to avoid a greater evil, or because the evil cannot be eradicated, which is exactly what the Nova Service set out to do in the first place, to eradicate the traditional Mass, and when they found out they could not, after 20 years, from 68 to 1988, and then Archbishop Lefebvre consecrated bishops to perpetuate the traditional Mass by ordaining priests to offer it, then and only then did the Nova Service relent in saying, well, we will allow you to have a Latin Mass, but only within our group, only within our power, only within our grasp, and we must control it. You can find a Latin Mass, it's only legitimate to attend it within one of our Novus Ordo parishes, and from one of the priests recognized by us as a member of our the New Order Church. This was their way of conceding the fact that they could not eliminate the traditional Mass, so now they would have to try to contain it, to control it, still with the idea of eventually making it fade away. In the letter that Benedict sent to the bishops with his Simorum Pontificum, he had this to say. In the second place, the fear was expressed in discussions about the awaited modu proprio, that the possibility of a wider use of the 1962 missile would lead to disarray or even divisions within parish communities. This fear also strikes me as quite unfounded. These are the words of Benedict XVI now. The use of the old missile presupposes a certain degree of liturgical formation and some knowledge of the Latin language. Neither of these is found very often. Already, from these concrete presuppositions, it is clearly seen that the new missile will certainly remain the ordinary form of the Roman Rite, not only on account of the juridical norms, but also because of the actual situation of the communities of the faithful. So what Benedict XVI is saying to the bishops of the world to reassure them that this is not a regression back to the traditional form of Mass, as he says, <clears throat> the use of the traditional Latin rite requires some sort of formation and familiarity with the Latin. He said this is, this is not found very often. So already he's indicating that they succeeded largely in eradicating a familiarity with and a foundation of the traditional mass in the souls of the Catholic people, he says. So it's very limited uh, among those who remain. So he says, <clears throat> we see that the, the norm is still going to remain the new liturgy. Uh, the modern uh, the modern and modernized Mass that they performed is going to continue to be, as he says, the ordinary form of worship in their church. 
He says it will remain so because of the juridical norms, that is, the laws, the regulations they've laid down, they're going to keep it that way, but also because of the actual situation that very few people left in the modern church have any familiarity with, or any connection with the traditional Mass, or any foundation of knowledge even, to be able to worship at the traditional Mass. So you see, this gets back to the point that even in allowing it, Benedict was saying, there'll be very little interest. It won't go very far. Almost as though he was indicating, it's just a matter of time before it dies out. In any case, uh, it is a mistake to see in Benedict XVI's Samora Monticum an appreciation for the traditional Mass. He's saying that it's still going to be the extraordinary form of worship in their modern church, and it's still going to be tolerated only by privilege. Only by privilege. Now, number three, traditional Catholics, who are those who would want to be traditional Catholics, considering worshiping at a Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo, should bear in mind that the valid ordination of the clergy in the Church of the New Order is highly questionable. Since the new ceremony of ordaining priests and bishops is substantially different from the traditional Latin rite of ordination. Someone might argue that the Church does have some power to determine the exact words used for the form of a sacrament, and therefore Paul VI had the power to compose a valid new rite of ordination, even using a form of words which differ from the traditional Roman rite, including differ from the essential words for the validity of ordinations and consecrations as they were defined by Pope Pius XII in his decree Sacramentum Ordinis of 1947. One might argue that since the Catholic Church does have some power to determine the exact words of ordination and consecration of bishops, the words necessary for validity, then Paul VI could have done this. He could have come up with a new right. That's a false argument, though. Neither individual pope nor the Church itself has any power to change the essential meaning of any sacrament, as Christ himself established it. Remember, a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. The very essence of the sacraments, the very meaning of the sacraments, is determined by our Lord himself. And no pope, or all the popes put together, the Church herself has no power to change what Christ has established and to contradict what Christ himself has given us in the sacraments. When you look at the new rite of ordination for priests and consecration of bishops, these have been so remarkably changed, so substantially changed, especially if you go back to the original ordinals that were issued under Paul VI, you'll see the substantial changes that were made there you can understand that these rites are very doubtfully valid. And so anyone who would be a traditional Catholic would be putting his soul in danger, if for no other reason, in going to the Novus Ordo, and then going to the Novus Ordo Church looking for valid sacraments from a very doubtful, doubtfully ordained clergy. Now, Pope Leo XIII considered the matter of Anglican ordinations. And uh, Pope Leo XIII determined with absolute finality, despite the, the Novus Ordo raising the question again much later, determined with finality that the Anglican orders of their clergy are null and void. And his point was this, that the essential words of ordination were changed so drastically they could not yield a validly ordained priest. And with regard to the argument, but those words were amended later to bring them back in line with the traditional Catholic form of words, his answer was, but even there, the rest of the ceremony was so non-Catholic and so cha changed the word, the meaning of the words, changed the meaning of the words used in the essence or the form of the sacrament, that even then you could use the same words, but they didn't mean the same thing in the context of the Anglican rite. And so 
It is with the new Mass, too, with the new rite of ordination to the priesthood, with the new rite of consecration of bishops. The surrounding rite has been so changed that the very meaning of the words, even if they were integrally the traditional form recognized by the Church and decreed by Pope Pius XII, those words could arguably not have the same meaning that they do, and even then they would be doubtfully valid. The, uh, the new priesthood, there's a new concept of the priesthood. You see it in Francis. You see it in his teaching. But you also see that uh, readily uh, apparent in the reaction of the priests when the new rites came out. 40,000 priests left the priesthood within 10 years after the new rite of ordination and the new rite of the, uh, or of the mass, the new rite of liturgy came out. 40,000 priests worldwide left, claiming that they had an identity crisis. They did not know now what the priesthood meant and what their priesthood stood for. There's a reason why there was this confusion. It was not an accident. It was deliberate. And that confusion begins in the alteration of the rites themselves. So again, we have to be very wary of looking for valid sacraments in the new rite because we have to remember that the very first sacrament they attacked, the first sacrament they changed, was precisely the Sacrament of Holy Orders in 1968, with new rites of ordination for deacons, new rites of ordination for priests, new rite of consecration for bishops. That's where they began. That's where they began this onslaught. So we must say, the changes that Paul VI made to the ceremony of ordination are so substantial that they arguably change the meaning of priesthood as the Catholic Church has defined it to be and what the true Church must always believe it to be and teach it to, to be. And therefore, it is very doubtful that they can uh, render a valid sacrament, can administer a valid sacrament where the power of the priesthood is required. Now, the fourth point I would make to, again, some traditional-minded Catholic who wants to practice the traditional faith within the Novus Ordo is this. Among the central errors of the modernists, which St. Pius X condemned in his 1907 encyclical Pescendi, is their notion of the Church and her worship. The modernists teach that the Church is subject to the laws of evolution, and therefore to continue living the church, I'm sorry, to continue living, in order to continue living, the church must make progress. And to make progress, the church must be constantly changing. Everything about the church, according to the modernist, must continually change. If she is to be a living church, she must make progress, she must change. She must evolve. What doesn't evolve is dead. And so everything about the church in the eyes of the modernist must continually change. Dogma, church, worship, sacred scripture, even the faith itself. The driving force for progress in the church is the laity. Through their experiences of daily life, we have echoes of Francis here, tradition, the conserving force is opposed to the constant changes that the church must make to survive. Tradition can moderate change, but must not stand in the way of progress, so the modernists say. Thus, tradition can be allowed, accepted, tolerated, as long as it does not stop the progress of change. And so we have now <clears throat> the toleration of the Latin Rite, as long as it does not stop the progress of change. And in order to back this up, I want, I want to refer to the words of St. Pius X himself. Now, in the encyclical Pescendi, <clears throat> we read some theological and philosophical considerations of modernism, which are necessary to unveil the truth about modernism and uh, the evil that it is. St. Pius X told us it is the greatest threat the Church has ever faced because it is right within the very heart and veins of the Church in the clergy. And he also said 
It is the greatest threat the church has ever faced because it doesn't just deny a doctrine of faith, it denies the very meaning of faith. The virtue, the virtue of faith is what modernism attacks and destroys. And so it destroys all faith as we Catholics know it and leads to apostasy. St. Pius X said it was the complexest of all heresies. Well, all heresies taken together are apostasy. They're denial of all the truths of the faith. Now listen to what Pope Pius X had to say in 1907 about the modernists, their doctrines, and what they would do to the church. A wider field for comment is opened when we come to what the modernist school has imagined to be the nature of the church. In past times, it was a common error that authority came to the church from without, that is to say, directly from God. Notice, this is what he's saying, the modernists are saying. And it was then rightly held to be autocratic. But this conception has now grown obsolete. For, as the modernists say, we are living in an age when the sense of liberty has reached its highest development. In the civil order, the public conscience has introduced popular government. Now there is in man only one conscience, just as there is only one life. It is for the ecclesiastical authority, therefore, to adopt a democratic form. Unless it wishes to provoke and foment an intestine conflict in the consciences of mankind. The penalty of refusal is disaster. For it is madness to think that the sentiment of liberty as it now obtains can recede. Were it forcibly pent up and held in bonds, the more terrible would be its outburst, sweeping away at once both church and religion. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. But St. Pius X says, such is the situation in the minds of the modernists, and their one great anxiety is in consequence to find a way of conciliation between the authority of the church and the liberty of the believers. Now, some of you might have gotten lost in that expression. Let me explain it to you, okay? You can go back and verify that what I'm saying is accurately representing the thought here. As St. Pius X is explaining the thinking of the modernists about that, they're saying this, that modern man has discovered liberty. He's taken this into his conscience. But modern man has found liberty in the civil society, in the nations and states that he lives in, and for him it is a matter of conscience, but man only has one conscience. So he can't be divided in conscience between liberty in the state and liberty in the church. So in other words, the church has to find a way to accommodate this idea of liberty in her organization. Because if she doesn't, there will be a conflict in her members of the liberty they enjoy in civil society and the lack of liberty they have in the church. This one conscience, therefore, will be divided in her members and there will be a terrible, terrible strife, internecine conflict, and there will be an explosion as this tension between the liberty of people in the world and a lack of liberty in an autocratic church with divine authority coming from above will come to the boiling point and explode. The church has to adopt a democratic form, therefore, following the liberties now that are given in civil society. This is the only way to avoid disaster. As he says, the penalty to refuse to do this, to democratize the church, will be disaster. So the modernists say, as Pope St. Pius X said, this is the situation in the minds of the modernists. They have to find a way to democratize the church for the liberty of the believers. This is also necessary because, remember, the believers, the laity, are the ones who are the the principle of progress in the church. Their experience in their daily lives is what gives the food to to lead the way for for the development, the evolution of her dogmas and her religion, her practice of her faith, her liturgy. All of these are taking their impetus from the people's daily lives which is experiencing liberty now. And so the church has to not only concede to this, she must exalt this as her new normal. 
Again, I continue with the words of Pope St. Pius X. First of all, they, the modernists, lay down the general principle that in a living religion, everything is subject to change and must, in fact, be changed. He stresses this again because it's important to understand where, where the modernist is taking us. In this way, they pass to what is practically their principal doctrine, namely evolution. To the laws of evolution, everything is subject under penalty of death, dogma, church, worship, the books we revere as sacred, even faith itself. These are words directly taken from the encyclical of St. Pius X. To the laws of evolution, everything is subject. The very concept of the church, her dogmas, her worship, her sacred scriptures, the faith itself must evolve. He continues, the chief stimulus of the evolution of worship consists in the need of accommodation to the manners and customs of peoples, as well as the need of availing itself of the value which certain acts have acquired by usage. In other words, the Church must admit in her liturgy the reflections of the cultural, the cultural expressions of the people. Gone is the idea of the universal liturgy. One worship. Now it is the culture of the people which must be the norm. That must be reflected now in the worship throughout the world of all these different communities. <clears throat> and so they must each have their own form of worship reflecting their own cultural values. They call this in the modern church inculturation, and they glorify diversity as though it were a great thing. They've taken the unity of worship of the church, which is, my dear people, one of the constituted elements of the church. Remember, the church, to be the true church of Christ, must be one, it must be holy, it must be Catholic, it must be apostolic. The first mark of the church is her unity, and that unity is a threefold unity. That is a unity of faith, her doctrine, her unity of worship, her liturgy, and her unity of government, her unity of rule. And if you destroy that unity, you've destroyed the very first mark of the church. What you have left is not the Catholic Church anymore. Well, this is what the modernists have done. They've attacked all three of those principles of unity of the Catholic Church and produced their Novus Ordo. We, uh, we have to understand that the, the one absolute principle they accept is change, 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 evolution, constant, constant, unceasing revolution. And that includes the evolution, or the revolution of wor worship itself. Finally, St. Pius X continues, evolution in the church itself is fed by the need of adapting itself to historical conditions and of harmonizing itself with existing forms of society. The Church must harmonize itself with the forms of society. Again, we get back to the same point here. Such is their view with regard to each. The progressive force, on the contrary, which responds to the inner needs, lies in the individual consciences and works within the consciences, that is to say, in the consciences of the people, especially in such of them as are in more close and intimate contact with life. It all gets back to that, doesn't it? The life of the people in the world is going to dictate the religion, is going to dictate the experience of the religion, is going to dictate all those things that have to evolve, dogma, the nature of the church, her worship, her scriptures, the faith itself. This is the norm of belief in the modern in the modern church. Francis is the apotheosis of the modernist. He's the quintessential modernist. Uh, it is as though he uh, he took Pascendi and uh, and consumed it, and it is now his very heart and soul. So here's uh, uh, again. I, I finish quoting these words of Saint Pius X. Already we observe, venerable brethren, the introduction of that most pernicious doctrine that would make of the laity the factor of progress in the Church. It is thus, venerable brethren, he's writing to his bishops, 
that for the modernists, whether as authors or propagandists, there is to be nothing stable, nothing immutable in the church. Now, just taking the few words out of Pashendi, which is a lengthy encyclical and a very deep analysis of modernism, we can move on to a fifth and a sixth point with regard to um, truths that, that would-be traditional Catholics have to keep in mind to deter them from making the tragic mistake of trying to practice the traditional faith within the Novus Ordo. And the fifth point is this. These few lines from Pescendi reveal that the anti-Catholic nature of modernism and its atrocious caricature of the Church and what they insist the Church must be, an evolving Church with evolving worship, which adapts to the spirit of the times in harmony with modern cultures and modern societies. But this is exactly the Church of the New Order. This is what we know as the Novus Ordo Church that came out of Vatican II. It's exactly that. This is not the Church as founded by our Lord Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church, but rather this is an alien Church devised by enemies of Christ to invade the Catholic Church to gradually replace her dogmas, the concept of the Church itself, to replace her worship, her books revered as sacred, and even the faith itself, as St. Pius X says. <clears throat> the traditional Catholic then faces an extremely serious set of questions. This is point number six. When considering whether or not to try to practice the traditional Catholic religion within the framework of the modern and modernist Church of the New Order. The Church after Vatican Council II has replaced the traditional Catholic rites of worship with a new order of Mass and entirely new rites of all the sacraments as well as a new body of laws governing her in the 1983-1984 Code of Canon Law, which allows giving the Eucharist to non-Catholics as part of its regulations on the liturgy, again, getting back to worship. Even her new Code of Canon Law adulterates the worship of the Church and, and approves of what the Church has always condemned as sacrilege. Do these rites express the Catholic faith? Can these new rites of worship actually have the authority of Jesus Christ composing them and imposing them on the Catholic faithful? If these are not of Christ or his church, then what agent has produced these new rites? And by what authority can they pretend to be imposed upon the souls of the Catholic faithful, who would dare compose and impose false and flawed rites of worship on the Catholic faithful. Does the new order of Mass and its sacraments belong to the practice of the Catholic religion or not? If it does belong to the Catholic religion, then who could legitimately refuse these new rights? But if these new rights do not, if they do not reflect the Catholic religion, if they do not represent the Catholic faith, then who could legitimately impose them? Who could legitimately accept them? If it is in fact a different religion from the traditional Catholic religion, what I mean to say is, in particular, if this new worship brought about after Vatican II by the modernists in its new mass, in the new order religions, in the new order churches, new rites of the sacraments, if these represent a different religion from the traditional Catholic religion, if these represent a new form of worship from the traditional Catholic worship, can there be then two different religions within one and the same church? Is it possible? Could there be two different faiths mutually opposed to each other in one and the same church? Could there be two different forms of worship that are actually mutually opposed to each other within the same church? Is it possible? 
Well, perhaps in a man-made religion that could be done. But not in a religion established by God, who cannot contradict himself. Not in the one true church established by Jesus Christ. There cannot be two different religions. Christ did not establish himself two different religions. One of them must be false. And within the religion established by Christ, there cannot be a false religion. Not only on the same level with, but even considered to be an extraordinary form of religion, an extraordinary form of worship tolerated by this new man-made religion. It is impossible. Can one and the same Catholic Church as the true Church of Jesus Christ impose both true and false, good and bad worship of God? Now we know, we know that the true Church established by Christ does contain good and bad. Good and bad people. Our Lord said he came to call sinners. So you have the mixture of the good and the bad in her membership pertaining to you and to me, yes. But what the church gives us comes from Christ. And what Christ gives us cannot be true and bad, doc, true and false doctrine. The church cannot give us uh, true and, and false worship. That's impossible. It cannot come from the church if it does not come from Christ. The answer is, if it does not come from Christ in the church, an enemy has done this. But remember now, this is the point I'm getting to. This is exactly the modernist concept of the church, though. Remember now, the modernist says the church is constantly in need of reform. And the reason why the church is constantly in need of reform is because the church is constantly in need of purifying herself, not just in her members, the church is constantly in need of purifying her doctrine. The church is constantly in need of modifying her doctrine to bring it into tune with the modern world. The church is constantly in need of modifying her worship to be in tune with the thoughts of modern man and the experiences of the Catholic faithful in their daily lives. This is true because the, the church in her doctrine, in her liturgy, and so on, is a mixture of good doctrine going bad because it needs to evolve. It needs to change in order to remain faithful to the world. They would like to say faithful to Christ, but it's not that at all. The modernist sees the church as a mixture, not only of good and bad people. The modernist sees the church as a mixture of truth and falsehood in her doctrine. The modernist sees the church as a mixture of liturgy, good and bad, that's why the modernist embarks upon ecumenism, because all religions in the eyes of the modernist are mixtures of good and bad. Good and bad doctrine, adequate, never really adequate doctrine, always inadequate, always flawed, always needing to be improved upon. And same with her worship, too. Their worship must be constantly adapted because it is never adequate. There are always flaws. And so the modernist sees in the vast panoply of religions here in the world this enormous mixture of good and bad, true and false, but all of the religions must undergo evolution. They must all be constantly changing and progressing. The Catholic religion is no exception in the modernist mind. And so here's the problem. One who goes to the traditional Latin Mass, if it can be considered such, within the Novus Ordo, actually finds himself condoning the modernist concept of the Church. One who wants to be a traditional Catholic within the framework of the context of the Novus Ordo Church is actually saying, well, they have a traditional Latin Mass, I can go to that. The new Mass, no, I won't touch that because that's bad. The traditional Catholic has just agreed with the modernist that the church is a mixture of good and bad. That the, in the church, one of the same church established by Christ, you have the Latin traditional liturgy, but you also have the Novus Ordo liturgy. All in the same church. 
Now, the modernists might take it a different way. The modernists might come from a different direction, might say, well, yes, in the modernist church, we have the, the new liturgy, which is adapted to the needs of modern man. We also have that sort of moribund, a petrified old liturgy, which is no longer really good liturgy. But in the, in the church established by Christ, as in all religions, you have a mixture of the good and bad, good and bad worship, and we just have to work this out. Over time, it will evolve beyond this point. What is the essential difference? If there, there is no essential difference between a traditionally-minded uh, Catholic saying that in the, in the church, in the modern church, we have the mixture of good and bad liturgy. I prefer the Latin liturgy. To me, that's the good liturgy. To me, the Novus Ordo is the bad liturgy. And on the other hand, the modern is saying, I believe the church is a mixture of good and bad liturgy. To me, the modern liturgy is the good liturgy, and to me, the, the, no, the traditional mass, that's the bad liturgy. That we have to let go. They're both saying essentially the same thing. The, the would-be traditional Catholic has conceded everything to the modernist, saying, yes, I believe that in one of the same church, because that's the Catholic Church, and that's why I'm going there, because it is the Catholic Church, and all I have to accept it as such. There's good and bad liturgy, Good and bad doctrine. And you can have two different religions in the same church. The modernist has won. The traditional Catholic has completely conceded, com completely conceded the argument. And he's on his way to becoming a good modernist. Because he's going to find that in trying to hold to the traditional ways within the Novus Ordo, He's going to be constantly, constantly attacked with the need to reconcile a, a contradiction in his way of thinking. How do I say that this is the authority of the church, but I'm not going to go to the Novus Ordo liturgy, which is their ordinary form of worship? I'm only going to go to the, to the Latin Mass, which they consider to be extraordinary, which they tried to completely eradicate for 20 years and couldn't do it, and now they're going to tolerate it. That's going to be my ordinary worship, but that's not the ordinary worship of this church that I say is the Catholic Church, and whose authority I pay lip service to, but I say, I don't accept this, I don't accept that. They're, they're good modernists. They're acting like good modernists. You know what they're doing? They're following their tastes rather than their faith. They're following their own personal inclinations of what they find acceptable rather than the principles of the Catholic faith is what they're doing. And they're going to find that they're going to be Novus Ordoized. As time goes on, they're going to be making compromises. They have to. The Novus Ordo does this. This is what the Novus Ordo is. It's a constant evolution. And those who even try to practice the traditional faith within the Novus Ordo are going to find that they're going to evolve. They are going to evolve. They're going to be facing so many issues, and they will have to yield. And when they do, <clears throat> every step is a step toward the guillotine, the death knell for their Catholic faith. I mean, just by way of example, a very simple practical example. A young lady who wants to be a traditional Catholic practicing within the Novus Ordo, <clears throat> who's she going to be involved with there? She's going to be involved there with people <clears throat> who have ties to the Novus Ordo, and uh, they see nothing wrong with compromising. The young lady might, might eventually marry a young man who will say, okay, well, our first child is going to have godparents, and I'm going to want godparents from my parents, from my parents and their, or their, their family, my extended family, and they're going to the Novus Ordo. So we're going to compromise. We're going to have Novus Ordo godparents as the godparents of our child. Same with sponsors for confirmation. We're going to have all of that going on. Not only that, but my family has a first communion uh, of my little brother or little sister going on in this modern parish, and we're going to go. And we're going to go and watch my little brother take his hand communion, and uh, we're going to go along with this and congratulate him and tell him how wonderful it is that he made his first Holy Communion. Meanwhile, we're going to make the decision as to whether or not we even believe that is validly Holy Communion or not. If we say, well, it has to be valid Holy Communion because it's within the Catholic Church, even if it's the Novus Ordo, right? I mean, after all, 
what traditional-minded Catholic could say, I'm going to go to the Latin Mass in the Novus Ordo, but I don't believe that their, their liturgy, their ordinary liturgy, is even valid. So we have to be open to the idea that it is valid. So in other words, I have to go into a church where I have 400 people going before me receiving communion in the hand, and nothing, nothing. Particles of the host all over the floor. They don't care for the particles of the host, as they do in the traditional faith. <clears throat> they don't. You walk into the Novus Ordo Church, I'm not recommending it, but I would have no qualms about going in there as a tourist because I don't believe it's valid because of the way they treat the host themselves. They manifest. They do not believe in transubstantiation. They do not believe in the real presence. So when they allow the particles of the host to fall all over the floor as they're handing out their hosts, to me, it's just bread. They treat it like bread. I believe that that's exactly what they've got there. The real horror is this, that if they have the traditional Mass and the Novus Ordo Mass, said in the same church and they consecrate hosts in the Novus Ordo Mass and put those hosts in the tabernacle, they're going to pull those hosts out then to give to people who come to the Latin Mass. That's what they're going to be giving to these people. They're going to be giving to that ho those hosts to those people kneeling and they're going to give them on the tongue but their hosts consecrated at this Novus Ordo liturgy. And that's what the people are going to be receiving. But there's something even worse than that. And that is, at their traditional Latin Mass, or a reasonable proxim uh, you know, uh, facsimile thereof, they're going to consecrate hosts there, put those in the tabernacle, wherever it is. It might still be in the altar. <clears throat> it might be off to the side in some of these modern churches. But whatever it is, they're going to consecrate hosts in the Latin Mass, and it could even be by an older priest who's validly ordained, who has the correct intention. And so it could be validly ordained, the Blessed Sacrament, the Body and Blood of our Lord. They put it into the tabernacle, and the clergyman at the Novus Ordo Mass said next, reaches into that tabernacle, pulls out that very ciborium of host, which has now been validly consecrated, <coughs> at the Latin Mass by a validly ordained priest, and he's handing these hosts out to people coming, handing them out. Whoever comes and puts his hand out, he gets his prize, the wafer. It goes right in his hand, the particles of the host falling all over, and all of those people are walking over particles of the host, the body and blood of Christ. They're stomping all over the host, particles of the host, completely heedless, completely careless, means nothing to them. And then you get the people who come in for the Latin Mass next, and what are they doing? All over the floor, particles of the host, strewn. Hosts that they believe are the body and blood of Christ, the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't they see that between the Novus Ordo and the traditional Mass, there can be no commonality. One will always... Uh, one will always be the enemy of the other, will be opposed to the other. And when you try to mix the traditional faith and valid sacraments with the Novus Ordo, you're always going to have sacrilege. You will always have sacrilege when you try to mix them together. And so, the any traditional-minded Catholic who thinks he can practice the traditional faith, the traditional Catholic faith within the context of the Novus Ordo Church, is not only wrong, but he's, he's tragically wrong. He's going to be a party to uh, not only the loss of his own faith and the loss of faith of others, he's going to be a party to a scandal and to a sham and a fraud, giving the impression that, yes, I accept this, all of it is Catholic. Or, I accept some of it is Catholic and some of it not as Catholic. Some of it is good, some of it is bad, as though that can be the Church of Christ. He's going to be party to perpetrating a fraud, and the worst kind of fraud. And he's going to be actually conceding, as I say, one of the fundamental principles of the modernists, that the Church, established by Christ, can be, and is in fact, a composite of good and bad doctrine, good and bad liturgy, but it's all within the Church, and he's also going to be feisting upon, feisting upon people the idea that we can say within the church there's all this good and bad liturgy and we can choose and pick what we want for ourselves according to our own personal taste. 
He's become a modernist already, even before he realizes it. He's a dyed-in-the-wool modernist, just by accepting that, that he's going to go to the Novus Ordo to find his Latin Mass. Now, any traditional Catholic who says, I cannot in good conscience accept the no order Mass or sacraments, because I don't regard them as Catholic. But I can't in good conscience practice the traditional Catholic religion within the no-order church. That person is a living contradiction. If that worship is not Catholic, then neither is the church that holds to those things as its standard, ordinary form of worship. And if that church would allow a Latin Mass as an extraordinary form of worship, it is manifesting its modernist concept of the church as the big tent incorporating all the different forms of religious practice, the very rationale for its ecumenical movement. <clears throat> so you have a traditional-minded Catholic who goes to a Latin Mass, a traditional Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo, and by the very fact that he thinks he can find a niche there, a corner, to quietly practice his traditional Catholic faith in peace within the Novus Ordo, he may complain about ecumenism and how bad it is and how wrong it is, and yet he is the poster child for ecumenism by doing that, by mixing the Novus Ordo with the traditional, modernism with Catholicism. Again, he's completely compromised the faith, undermined the faith, and it's going to show. It's going to show because he's going to fall into this modernist trap uh, now he's part of the evolutionary process, his own faith too, part of the evolutionary process of the modernists. That's why the modernists want to get traditional-minded Catholics back into their walls, within their fold. <clears throat> because these are ones who slip through the cracks of the modernists. The modernists want to get them back under their roof so that they can begin again to modernize them. They failed the first time to get them all. Now, this is their next effort. Get them back in those modern churches. And now, we will get them. We will get them to move forward and get with the evolutionary process of adapting their faith, their worship, their very concept of the church. Soon, they too will be good modernists. And so I would have to conclude there. Therefore, those who attempt to practice the traditional Catholic religion within the Novus Ordo Church by worshiping at its Latin masses are necessarily conceding and condoning the heretical modernist concept of the Church, which has already been condemned by the true Catholic Church and notably by Pope St. Pius X in his encyclical Pascendi. Now, there might be an objection. Okay, let me just deal with this objection here. <clears throat> An objection might be made that this modernist concept of the church has nothing to do with, let's say, my, my question of attending the Latin Mass in a church of the New Order. I might say, well, Father Jenkins, I mean, you're talking about all these things way up here, and they don't have any practical consequence for me. <clears throat> Everything you've said here has nothing to do with my decision as to whether or not I'm going to attend the Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo Church structure, within a Novus Ordo parish, within a Novus Ordo diocese. Uh, it has nothing to do with this. <clears throat> um, in fact, uh, it does not change the fact that attendance at the Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo Church does, in fact, condone the heresy, though. In, in other words, if a person says to you, if you make these points to him, what you've just said has nothing to do with my decision. Please understand what they're saying. What they're saying is this. Your argument is true. Your points are true points. They're, they're really not saying that what you've said has nothing to do with the truth of the matter. What they're saying is what you've said has nothing to do with my decision. I'm making the decision, completely ignoring what you're saying. So my decision <clears throat> simply 
treats what you've said as though it had nothing to do with it because I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm making my decision for other reasons. And regardless, I mean, of whether by going to the traditional Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo, I'm condoning the modernist heresy of the very concept of the Church as this mishmash of good and bad liturgy, good and bad doctrine, and so on. I'm not making my decision on the basis of those, on the level of those questions. They're basically saying I'm making my decision on some other point. My, uh, <clears throat> I, I can't find a, a traditional Catholic I want to marry, so I'm going to go fishing in the Novus Ordo. I have to expand my horizons. I've got to leave this little pond of the traditional parish I was raised in and go out into the great sea of modernism to find a spouse. So that's what's motivating my decision. They might have any, any other number of motives. I want to have a good job opportunity. I want to get along with my relatives, uh, whatever it might be. It's too much trouble to be a traditional Catholic. It's so much easier within the Novus Ordo, and on and on and on. Whatever their reason is, <clears throat> if they tell you what you just heard here has nothing to do with their decision, they're telling you the truth. They don't care about this. And so they ignore this. It means nothing to them. They're making their decision to find uh, a niche within the Novus Ordo, uh, even if it's just a matter of Dominus Hubiscum et Conspiritu Tuo. If that's all they get and that's all they want, okay, that's enough for them. <clears throat> They're looking for something else. So don't think that your arguments are not valid just because they don't want to hear them. They've got other things on their mind. Someone uh, could also say, well, look, I go to a church where the Novus Ordo is not said, where they have only the Latin Mass. <clears throat> so that makes all the difference. Well, you know, I would say to them, uh, now wait a minute, wait a minute, let's back up here a minute. <clears throat> I doubt that you're going to a church where the Novus Ordo is not said, where you might not have attended it, you may not be aware of it being said there, <clears throat> and even if it hasn't been said, that it would not be said or could not be said, because remember now, that church belongs within its archdiocese, or this diocese, in which the normal form of worship is the Novus Ordo. So the Novus Ordo has prior right in whatever church belongs to this diocese, and is included in this diocese, you're tolerated, that's all you are. You don't have the priority right, you're the extraordinary exception. The Novus Ordo is the ordinary norm. <clears throat> so even though you may not be aware of the fact, or even though it may be true that the Novus Ordo was not offered, has not been said recently in that church where you go for the Latin Mass, you still are in communion with all those Novus Ordo churches and all those Novus Ordo liturgies going on day after day after day in that diocese throughout the entire length and breadth of the diocese. You're in communion with that. You're saying that's all Catholic. They may not accept that, but I would say to them, look, you, why are you going there? And they would say, well, probably, most of them would say, well, at least this gives me the opportunity to attend the traditional Catholic Mass with the approval of the hierarchy. Ah, there you are. The bait, the bait, the bait is there. You can have this as long as you recognize our power to control it, to allow it, or to stop it, to deny it. Because you can't acknowledge their power to allow it without simultaneously concede their power to deny it also. You see, there's a certain method to the madness here. But what they do is they hold out to people the idea, you can be legitimate. You can actually attend the Latin Mass with the approval of Rome, with the approval of the Vatican, with the approval of the Holy Father, although we know Francis has nothing but contempt for the traditional Mass, and with the approval of the bishop. You see, you can be a part of the church and have the traditional mass too. That way you can have it all. This is what they hold out to you. Okay? 
I would say to those who argue this, I'm going back to the traditional Latin Mass within the Novus Ordo, within the modern church, because I want the comfort of knowing that I, I am within the realm of the authority of the church, I say. I would ask them this, okay. <clears throat> I offer Mass at a number of different traditional Catholic churches around the country for the traditional Catholic faithful. The Novus Ordo liturgy is not offered, is not said in any of, any of those churches, nor, as long as it is in my power, will the Novus Ordo liturgy ever be said in any of those churches. But you're telling me that it is very, very important uh, for you to have the approval of the local bishop, of the Novus Ordo bishop, and through him, the, the approval of Rome and the Vatican and Francis. But what would you say about this? I'd say, suppose... <clears throat> I were to call the bishop of this diocese, right here, and say to him, Your Excellency, I, Father Jenkins, am offering the traditional Latin Mass, the true Roman Rite of Mass in its integrity, every day here at Immaculate Conception Church in, in Norwood, Ohio, suburb of Cincinnati. And on Sundays we have the Latin, the Latin Mass, the true Roman Rite of Mass, offered twice every Sunday. But we're doing this without your approval. And this is making some people nervous. So here's what I propose. Please send into my church here at Immaculate Conception one of your modern priests to say the Novus Ordo liturgy. We'll bring a table in for him. We'll set it all up for him. And so there will be a third liturgy at Immaculate Conception Church on Sundays and that will be the Novus Ordo English Liturgy. And if we allow that, then would you give us your approval, please? Would you please recognize us as being affiliated with you, as though you had spread your mantle of approval over us, and now we are in union with Rome, in union with the Vatican, in union with Francis, and in union with you. Would you be willing to do that? And suppose the Bishop of the Diocese said, well, sure, if you're willing to accept the new liturgy and have one of our priests come in and say the new liturgy, the new English Mass in your church, well, we can certainly begin talking about this, and I can certainly maybe give you provisional approval so you can tell all the people there at Immaculate Conception, you know, now at least you have provisional approval of the bishop of the diocese pending working out all the details. And I would ask, the, the again, the would-be traditional Catholic who's going back to the Novus Ordo Church for its Latin Mass, if they would like that idea, if they thought that was a good thing to do, I guarantee you 90, 95, 99% of those would say, no, no, that's a bad idea. Uh, we, even in going to the Latin Mass in the Novus Ordo, will not go to the Novus Ordo. That's how it is with so many of the a Latin Rite Novus Ordo Catholics, they have rejected the Novus Ordo, so many of them have, that they would consider it to be a very serious mistake to bring the Novus Ordo into our traditional Catholic Church as though that was a, a major uh, tragic error that we'd made, even for the sake of getting the approval of the local bishop. I've actually asked people that who are going to the Latin Mass in the Novus Ordo. Well, and, who, and because of the idea of authority, that if I could get that authority's approval, just by having an English Mass said, a new Mass said in my church, would you say that's a good thing? They say, no, that's not a good thing. No, we would never want you to do that. So I say to them, what are you thinking? You are going to the diocese in connection with the Vatican of the Novus Ordo. The entire Novus Ordo religion has engulfed this. This is their standard operating religion. <laughs> and you're going there for your Latin Mass for the sake of, you say, the approval of the authorities here. And when I suggest having one English Mass come in, you're actually horrified if I do it for the sake of getting the approval of the Novus Ordo, don't you see the contradiction in your own mind? Surprising. Many of them don't seem to get it. They just don't seem to get it. When they can no longer see the contradiction, you know 
the Novus Ordo has already poisoned their minds. Modernism is already taking hold in their minds. They can't see the contradiction. And so, no wonder they can't see the contradiction of having a traditional Mass and a new order liturgy in the worship in the same church. Two different religions, and yet all within the same, well, modernist church. It doesn't phase them anymore. Something has already died within them, sadly. My dear faithful, I uh, mention this to you because the Novus Ordo <coughs> authorities now, the bishops and the dioceses, have found they can actually make a lot of headway against the traditional Catholic churches in their area. I'm talking about the real traditional Catholic churches in this area. They can actually make a lot of headway in drawing people out of them, drawing people away from them, getting them back within the grasp of the Novus Ordo just by offering them the bait of a Latin Mass. That's all it takes for them. Very small price to pay. And for a modernist, it's okay. It's all part of the modernist idea of the variety show, of the variety show. They have religion with all these different beliefs and all these different practices, diversity. Why not include a Latin Mass too? As long as you keep them within the Novus Ordo, as long as they adopt the ecumenical mentality and the evolutionary mentality of religion, that the Catholic religion too is a mixture of good and bad, true and false, doctrine, worship, in constant need of, of evolution and reform. Isn't this what the modernists say? Isn't this what the modernist traditionalists say? Whether their taste is in favor of the traditional or in the modern, they all agree in one thing. The church is a mixture of these two things, and we have to pure, purge it of one or the other by evolving further. And here's the worst point, okay? The worst point is this. <clears throat> the ultimate evolution in the modernist case here is going to be where they take the Novus Ordo, which they're constantly changing year by year in its translations and so on, and they're going to make a kind of Frankenstein liturgy <clears throat> with predominance of the new and elements of the traditional, and they're going to mix them together in one synthetic, one synthetic rite of worship. That will be the ultimate bait that the modernist can lay as a trap. Modernism is like the, the open jaws of a crocodile. If you look in those jaws and you see there, sitting right there on the modernist tongue, a Latin mass, and you're, you're tempted to come and get it, beware, those jaws can close on you very quickly. Don't enter the modernist jaws. You'll find yourself in the modernist stomach very soon. Well, I hope this is of some help or some interest to you. Send any questions you have. I'd be glad to address them, including any objections you might have. I would welcome them. God bless you.